Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. This is Entree Architect Podcast, and you're listening to episode 162. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. This week, I invited my friend Mike Rasika of youngarchitect.com back to the show to continue where we left off the last time he was here at Entree Architect Podcast. In this episode, we dive deep into what it means to be a young architect and what it takes to become a licensed architect. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, the pain, the passion, and the process of becoming a young architect. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Explore your options today at ncarb.org, N-C-A-R-B.org. And TrueStyle, the leader in high-end architectural interior doors. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash truestyle, that's T-R-U-S-T-I-L-E. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. Michael Rusica, welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's an honor to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, I wanted to I wanted to bring you back to give us an update on what's going on. I I see you all over the internet. Lots of things going on. Young Architect is is growing rapidly. Uh, so I wanted to bring you back here and uh, and share what's going on. Uh, before that, I just wanted to remind everybody you're an architect based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you're the founder of youngarchitect.com, uh, and you've been here before, right after your your big cycling trip across America, literally <laughs> one side of the country to the other. Uh, I had you on. You talked about that. You talked about that big journey from from one side of the the United States to the other. You talked about getting licensed and and um, passing the ARE and how to how to pass the ARE 
And so uh, that's anybody wants to listen to that episode. Also hear uh, Mike's origin story. We're not going to go into that here. Go back to episode 132 and uh, and that'll tell you everything you need to know about who Mike Rasika is uh, and where he's come from and how he got to where he is today. Uh, we'll have links to all of that on the on this episode. This is episode 162. Um, so, Mike, young architect, booming. Yeah, things are growing. Yeah. Things are really, really uh, hitting hitting a big pace over there. So, just give us an update. What's going on over at Young Architect? Oh, there's a there's a lot of stuff going on. Been super busy lately. Um, actually backing up a second, you know, yeah. I listened to that episode we had, um, was it 132 yep. and or before we met, I wanted to, I wanted to pick up where we left off on that last conversation and oh my gosh, um, we chatted when I was in Colorado, I was in a, a little town Walden, Colorado, um, and um, I was actually cycling across America and after that, um, I just had, you know, I had the whole trip was amazing. Was unbelievable. Um, once I got out of Colorado, I moved into Wyoming, Montana, um, I, I learned on that trip and I never knew this before that I just do really lousy at, um, you know, up in high elevations. And so I was kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like struggling for a while. And then as soon as it was in, uh, it was around Missoula, I dropped down to about 3000 feet. Um, I just like, I felt like I was Superman and I finished pretty much the rest of the trip. Like, uh, I don't know, I was like riding hundred mile days, feeling like it was a piece of cake. And, um, but yeah, it was what an amazing experience. And it was a ton of fun to connect with you too in the middle of that whole thing. Um, I literally, you know, walked out of my tent into a cafe that had Wi-Fi, and we sat right. down and chatted. It was right. a lot of fun. I forgot that it was in the middle of the journey. I was, I was, had it yeah. in my mind that, that it had, <laughs> but as soon as you started saying that, I remember that. And then you had, you had a, big part of it to go and and i think you were going you were going to world domination summit too right yeah that, right I did that that was a lot of fun it was a great summer it was yeah. just t- summer 2016 was unbelievable so yeah. but um yeah back to young architect um you know i've been plugging along i've been writing a lot um you know yeah about three years ago i started young architect uh right after i got my license and i really wanted to start an architecture blog uh, I had been inspired from, you know, seeing what you were doing, seeing what Bob Borson was doing and many other people outside the architecture realm, but in some ways like serving their community. And so, you know, the mission of Young Architects always been helping students, ARE candidates, young architects and other professionals be more successful. Um and so, you know, I've always kind of used that as a guideline for all the content all that I've created, all the blog posts. Uh, I recently started a podcast, which I'll talk more about. But um, lately, I've been talking a little bit more about kind of blatantly telling people what my mission is and what I believe. And, you know, one of the things that I've always kind of and you and you see this with a lot of the writing that I've done is that I think that a, a lot of the young architects and students and people in the profession um, really need to be their own advocate. Um, in my experience, I had you know you go through architecture school and there's a camaraderie and a community of people moving along this you know schedule of time, um, and then we graduate school. And in my opinion, I feel like a lot of students graduate and flounder until they become a licensed architect where I feel like, you know, the AIA does a fantastic job of creating community and other architecture organizations, CSI. Um, but kind of that in between stage between graduating school, um, and, you know, having your license, I, I wanted to address the, that part of the architect's development. Um, and so I really started, you know, blatantly writing blog posts for, um, should should I become licensed? Should I not become licensed? Um, looking for jobs. Um, hang on one second. Let me think for a second. Yeah, I, I love the articles that you write because you're very honest. Uh, mm-hmm. You're very open about your thoughts on specific subjects, um, and and it's not what it's not what uh, it's not always what people expect. You know mm-hmm. that you'll 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 uh, write about you know whether whether your architecture is even right for you you know and you're talking mm-hmm. to a community of people who who have who've just gone through all of that schooling and now you're considering whether you should even be licensed mm-hmm. um, and that's a very important conversation to have because there are a lot of architects that should not be architects you know and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that they're not that they're not qualified 
it's just not what their purpose is on on this planet you know that 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 I think we all have a purpose and and we may go through architecture school but a licensed architect doesn't mean that's not that's not necessarily the next step you know yeah. you go through getting your getting your education and then what happens next you know so yeah Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I also really strongly believe that not everyone's on the same journey. Um, I get, I go crazy. I bang my head against the wall when I hear people say things like, you know, um, it only takes six months to pass the architect's exam. You just need to make a schedule and sit down and do it. And it worked for me. And why can't everyone else do it that way? Um, I don't know. Like that wasn't my journey. You know, I worked, I worked really freaking hard wrapping these, wrapping up my exams. Um, and you know, it's, you know, everyone's got their own path, their own strengths and weaknesses. And I think there's room, you know, we, the beautiful thing about architecture is there's, there's such a huge, the, the topic of architecture, the profession, the business, there's such a huge um, place and jobs and opportunities for people with different strengths. Yeah. And so, you know, being a, a licensed practicing architect, pulling permits, stamping buildings, um, you know, that that might not be your uh, gift or passion or what you have to offer the world. That, that doesn't mean if you're passionate about BIM or renderings or model building or building envelopes, you know, you can't be successful. And so I've always been trying to get away from this idea that, you know, not everyone's on the same journey. Um, everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Or, or even using your your education to go solve other problems. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I feel I feel that once you've graduated architecture school, you're an architect. And I know there's a big controversy over that. There's lots of you know questions right now with NCARB and all that on, on what architects should be called. I, you know, and, and that's a whole nother story. But my feeling is that once you've once you've graduated, um, you can call yourself an architect. And and that that means that even if you leave the quote unquote traditional practice of architecture to go do something else and you're still using the skills that you've learned as an architect to solve other problems and maybe in other industries you're still an architect you're trained as an architect mm -hmm. um if if this was uh, you know 200 years ago you would still be considered an architect you may not be considered you know a master architect or a master builder uh, but you were you know you could be an apprentice architect or a journeyman yeah. architect yep you know that's i believe I that's the same thing today yeah, I agree with you, too. I think the word architect's been abused a lot. Um, the IT industry calls yeah. themselves architects. And so I think I wrote a blog post, like if some guy with a two year degree uh, in IT can call himself an architect, then why shouldn't people with, you know, five, six, seven years of education be able to? Um, I think licensed architects should call themselves licensed architects and everyone else can call themselves an architect if they want. Um, so, oh, I learned something recently too. Someone asked me. They said, "Why do you, why do you say licensed architect? Why don't you use the term registered architect?" Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the term registered, but someone also recently reminded me that um, sex offenders are registered, <laughs> uh, and uh, having an architecture license is kind of like anyone can register for anything. Uh, license is you know you have the the permission, the you're, you have special permission to do something. So that's why I, I always lean towards the term license over yeah. registered. Yeah, I tend to do that too. And I never really thought about it, but that's typically, typically what I say as well. Yeah. Um, one of the topics, I feel like I've gotten into a debate many times recently, and I feel like I'm the only one arguing this debate. Um, but recently, I feel like I've uh, debated back when I've heard other professionals in the profession say things like, I hate hiring recent graduates because they don't know anything. Or um, I recently was talking to someone and she's this this older architect who was telling me that she's sick. Of, she's kind of done hiring young, young architects because you train them and then you spend all this time and energy training them and then they leave and they go on. Um, and so kind of the debate I've been arguing is that I think the architecture schools have a very important job in, in training our future architects, but I also think the profession has as just as important job as training, um, our future architects. And so let me elaborate. Um, in my opinion, I truly believe that, you know, architecture school is a place for future architects to go to learn how to design and problem solve. 
Um, I think it's a, it's a, it creates a safe place for students to experiment and take risks and learn the fundamentals of design and learning how to express themselves and from theory and history and learning from the past. I really truly believe like that's the purpose of what architecture school is. Everyone always says, you know, there's only like one or two pro practice classes and students aren't learning how to, you know, put together comprehensive code compliant construction drawings. And that should be emphasized a lot more. And it's there. And I agree. But um, I also argue that there's so much that needs to take place and there's so much development and growth that needs to happen in architecture school that now adding another layer of complexity of now you need to um design code compliant buildings and have a complete understanding of how the profession of architecture works, I think is just way too much to, to layer on to what already needs to take place during architecture school. Um, and so I've always been arguing that, you know, it's really to learn about the basics and fundamentals of problem solving and design. That's the purpose of architecture school. I also believe that part two of architects education kind of begins the minute they finish school. And, you know, that that first phase is done and now it's time to learn about practicing architecture in the profession. Um, getting back to what I said earlier, I always need to advocate that I, I've always truly believe that um, the young architect's number one job is to advocate for their, their uh, personal and career development. Um, so it doesn't sound, so I don't sound like another whiny millennial pointing a finger at the profession. <laughs> but, but I also truly believe that um, the profession as a whole in some ways needs to really acknowledge their 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 role in uh, creating future architects and training them and taking the time to sit down and it bothers me when i hear people say that you know complaining that young architects leave them after they've been trained because i feel like like i didn't say it in that conversation to that other older woman architect but like we're architects i need like we need to grow we need to evolve and um that's part of how, I mean, that's how I got in architecture. I always feel like there's more to learn. There's more new and interesting things for me to work on. And so, you know, thank God I'm still not working at the same architecture firm I was at, I don't know, two years after architecture school because so much has happened and so many new experiences. And so I guess my, my advocating is for the rest of profession to acknowledge that and realize, yeah. you know. I, I, think, I think the, the schools will agree with you. Because when you talk yeah. about that uh, case, you know, whether they should be learning uh, how to put together full construction drawings or even business, my argument is that, that you know, we should be learning more business. The schools will say that's not our job. Um, mm -hmm. our, and NCARB will also agree with you. That's that's their job is to mm -hmm. is to create that process, the ARE or the the uh, uh, AXP. You know, that, that's or not the ARE, the IDP or the AXP. Mm -hmm. um, that's the, the the intent of that. That's that's where you're supposed to learn those things during that process. Um, and I think business, my world, you know, that's where that ties in. Is that if architects build better businesses, um, they will have the money and the time uh, and the, to to take on that responsibility of bringing in young young architects, training them. Maybe they'll stay. Maybe they won't. Um, and and we all have to acknowledge the fact that. Our society has changed. Our, our, the way business is run today has changed. People don't take a job and stay there their entire lives. Everybody now moves. They, 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 they work for somebody for a little while, and then they'll go work for somebody else for a little while, and they'll go work for somebody else for a little while. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of them are, are working for themselves um, as freelancers and, and learning what they need to do uh, because of that. The internet allows all of these things to happen. We need, as a profession, to acknowledge that the that the that society has changed. Technology will allow these things, uh, and and build better businesses so they have the time and the money to to do those things. Because I think that's the argument: is that I, I don't have time. You know, I don't mm -hmm. have the time or the money to bring somebody in, train them, and then just send them off into the profession. Um, and if they build better businesses, if they're more profitable, uh, they would be able to to give back to the profession. Yeah, absolutely. I like what you said, too, about, you know, things are different. Um, and what I love now about like the Internet and communication is I feel like m more now than ever in history is there's so much information and connection and social media, and, you know, 
for people to, you know, f guide their own success and it, everything's not local anymore. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in Oregon, you're in New York, we're friends. I feel like we chat all the time, but Mark, I think I've spent maybe all of maybe 20 minutes with right. you in real, real life, you know? Yeah, right. Um, and so there's just so many opportunities. Um, another thing, and I, and I want to say that, that you reminded me of is, and I don't want to sound like a brat or sound vindictive, but in my experience as kind of an intern coming up in the profession, um, I think people need to realize that when you let a young, a younger intern person into your firm, um, to not, to acknowledge that they're in some ways the future of the profession. Um, and they kind of get to see the behind the scenes of how you run your business. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, I have had a couple of interactions with people that weren't so desirable. And then years down the road, um, when I was working for the, the local government, I find myself in a position of power and over their business. And, um, you know, it's really, you gotta, in some ways, I feel like <laughs> treat these interns and people working for you as if they could be your future clients or customers, because, um, I don't know. What goes around comes around, and I feel like uh, the younger people are moving up to positions of power nowadays a lot earlier than they have in the past. Yeah, and, and every generation has been in the position that the current generation is in, uh, where they're they're not totally respected. They're sort of looked at as you know, I'm I'm Generation X, and so Generation X had that same that same problem. You know, they 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 talked about us like we you know we were there was something wrong with us, like we were a bunch of lazy. But that's that's every new generation is looked at that way. Uh, and I agree with you. I think that the, that the profession and architects individually needs to take on the responsibility of, of helping train the future of our profession. But I would also say the, the opposite is also true. I think that, that young architects need to recognize that they are being educated and that they mm -hmm. are apprentices. And I think if they, if they, uh, embrace the idea that they are an apprentice, and it and it may take ten years to the point where you start the journey of becoming an architect. You you start architecture school and you go through architecture school for five or six years, and then you go through a, a process of of uh, internship, uh, and that may be another three years. And so mm -hmm. that five to to three, that's eight years, and then you have. You, you get a job and you start working and you do other things in different professions. That's another two years, maybe three years to the mm -hmm. point where you're, and it doesn't matter whether you have a license or not to the point where you have enough knowledge to, to, to be able to do all the things that a, that an architect does a master architect. If you, if you look mm -hmm. at it in terms of, of apprentice and, and masters um, and I'm not saying we should go back to that, um, that terminology. I'm just sort of, acknowledging or encouraging young architects to change their mindset that they're not going to jump into the profession and make, you know, a hundred grand or, or have to yeah. run a project or be permitted to, to design a new building. Acknowledge the fact that you're there. And that's, that's the role you should be playing right now. You should be absorbing as much information as you can and giving back everything that you have, um, to, to whomever you're working with to, to, to get the knowledge you need to get to the point where then you can, you can go to the next level. I think yeah. if you look at it in terms of, of, of a 10 year journey from beginning to end, uh, it, it will help you because it'll help you as a young architect, accept that you'll, you'll not be constantly mm -hmm. fighting and butting heads, uh, with yourself and with others. You'll 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 get further along in the profession if you look at your look at your role in those early years as learning as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a you know I think it takes a a lifetime. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, what I love about this profession, and I've been I've been bashing it a little bit too much, um, but what I love about the profession of architecture is that it's really you know uh, if you work really hard and you prove yourself and um, you do your time and you get people, you show your value, you prove your value. Um, you're rewarded by, um, compensation right. projects. Um, you know, it's not this, like you you went, you graduated this school, so we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. You know, it's not, um, it's really about hustling and that's, and that's the, the recurring theme that I've learned over and over again. It's the people who hustle, whether they're the best or the smartest or, 
whatever, it's, it's really about doing the work and taking action. Um, yeah, I totally so, agree. And, and that's, that has nothing to do with age, you know? So, yeah. so if you're a young architect coming into the profession, uh, and you're hustling, you're going to advance much quicker, uh, both in responsibility and compensation than somebody who comes in and just expects it all to, to happen and you're just rolling with it and wherever it goes, it goes. Uh, mm -hmm. same thing with, with, uh, business owners, you know, the, the entrepreneur architects that, that if you're out there expecting it to just happen, you know, mm -hmm. just design great architecture and you'll be a successful architect, that's not going to happen. You know, you have to yeah. get out there and you need to hustle and you need to learn business and how it works and, and be, you know, learn how to get good at that. It's, it's way too competitive for, for you not to be hustling, for anyone not to be hustling, because someone else is hustling uh, just as hard and trying to get ahead. And so, you know, yeah. but that's what I love about this profession. You know, it's, it's not for the, I like to work. And like I say, like I, people, my friends who aren't architects look at how much time I spend working on this stuff and projects and how many hours I log and are like, what the hell, you know, but I love doing it. Like, it's what I want to be doing. If I wasn't like, like even when I had a full-time job, I was still writing young architects and doing projects and like completely busy. I like staying completely busy. So, yeah. And, and, and I, you know, the fact that we're living in, in this era of technology and internet communication is so exciting because, you know, youngarchitect.com, you can start it and you can express your opinion. A community can gather around that, that idea and that those opinions, entrepreneur architect, we can, you know, put a platform together, create a community. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting to be mm -hmm. able to live during this period, uh, and create things. And, and so, you know, other architects could do that as well. Young architects can, can express themselves any way they want. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, NCARB, True Style Doors, and FreshBooks. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed but was unable to complete the experience requirement? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the architectural experience program, the AXP, formerly the IDP, they've switched things up a little bit, by submitting an online portfolio. And along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you or your employee get one step closer to becoming an architect. Learn more about the AXP portfolio at ncarb.org slash entrearchitect. TrueStyle is passionate about providing us small firm architects with the inspiration and the tools to transform our designs with the most authentic and distinctive doors available. And now we can see TrueStyle doors and how they worked with the National Association of Home Builders and architect Phil Keen to create a show-stopping interior door package for the 2017 New American Home. To download the case study or watch a video and learn how True Style Doors can help differentiate your next project, visit entrearchitect.com slash truestyle. Truestyle, driven by design. Visit entrearchitect.com slash truestyle. So how do you get paid faster? Well, one more way is to use FreshBooks. FreshBooks is a full function online accounting system built for us small firm architects we're small businesses. It includes invoices, uh, expense management, time tracking, and so much more. It does everything I want it to do in order to get paid faster. I could send invoices efficiently on the same day. I could set up FreshBooks to automatically send reminders with the words and the timing that I want. And I can accept credit cards for payment. You should give it a try. When you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, go to freshbooks.com architect and sign up for your free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. FreshBooks.com slash architect. And don't forget to let them know that Entree Architect sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. I wanted to just sort of go, go back to the fact that, that 
you know, that the blogs that you're writing, the blog posts that you're writing are, are really, really uh, well done. Uh, and the newest thing that you're doing, you mentioned it a little bit before, uh, is the podcast. The Young Architect podcast is live and, uh, and rolling and, and it's done really well. And so uh, why don't we talk about that a little bit? What, what inspired you to sort of take that next step uh, and start the podcast? Yeah, it was, um, I had been kicking it around for a long time and I actually resisted the idea. Um, about, it's probably about a year ago, I was thinking, I was trying to like grow the blog, take it to the next level. Um, and I was considering doing a, uh, like a blogger program. I never ended up signing up for it. It was like, you know, like a blogger mastermind. Let's figure out, it was like a, one of these master bloggers who had had a lot of success was trying to help other people. And, um, in the, in the sales info, the sales page of their website, it said, if you've been blogging for more than a year and you really want to take things to the next level, I'm going to push you really hard to start a podcast. And that was kind of what planted the seed. And I never did that program. I never followed through with it, but I started thinking about maybe what if I did a podcast? Um, I resisted it for a really long time because I, I always felt listening to myself on recording, <laughs> like, like I had gotten, I had come a long way and I'd gotten really comfortable as a writer, yeah. um, and expressing myself through writing. But, um, the whole podcasting thing made me feel really uncomfortable. And so I kicked that idea around for a long time. Um, and then I, I started to get more serious about it. Um, kind of around the, it was actually probably around the end of the the bike trip. Um, I finished that bike trip and I just, uh, I pretty much didn't work all summer. I was riding a bike across America, but as soon as the bike trip was over, I hit the ground running and, you know, started working my butt off. I pretty much worked overtime, crazy hours until I took a vacation in January. But, um, and kind of like through just kind of doing lots of writing and working on young architect and wanting to make it bigger and better, um, I just kept coming back to this podcast idea. And so I started the young po- young architect podcast and for one of the challenges I've always had too, backing up again, um, is I've been trying to take the focus off of me. Um, you know, I'm pretty passionate about this young architect mission, but rather than me, you know, telling my story over and over again, and in some ways I'm kind of sick of telling it, um, I wanted to like put focus on other people who are aligned with my mission of helping students, ARE candidates and young architects be more successful. And so I started writing articles about people that are doing good stuff, doing inspiring projects. Um, and I wrote a handful of those, but even then in the process of writing those articles about, so I would, I would have a conversation with someone and I would then listen to that recording. And then just by doing that a couple of times, I said, you know what, this, I can't express the energy that's being conveyed in this conversation through the filter of my writing. And that just kind of drew the line. And I was like, I got to start this podcast. Um, and so what I've been doing with this, the young architect podcast is I've been trying to get people's stories out of them. Uh, there's a lot of really inspiring people who I've met along the way who I just have really inspiring stories with how they discovered architecture, what their, what happened to them in school, uh, what their experiences like was in licensing and the profession and kind of, how did you get to where you're at today? And so I've been trying to extract those stories from as many different people from different, all different walks of life. Um, and really hearing about people's, um, experiences to that kind of bring them to where they're at today. And I've always been trying to, um, focus more. I'm not really a big star architect guy. I'm not really as interested in the people that already get a lot of publicity. And so I've been kind of finding more of the little guy that's just doing really good stuff that I think needs to be acknowledged and having really great conversations with people. Yeah, I've been listening. Um, I've also been a guest. We haven't, it hasn't gone live yet. It's, I think it's scheduled sometime in April. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's, I love it. I think you're doing a great job. I love the, uh, the casual conversation format and, uh, and sort of sharing people's, you know, origin stories. I think it's a, it's a great concept and I, and I think it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun to do. I've had a lot of fun doing it. It's also been a great lesson in asking for help. Um, I, uh, I, I recorded about 15, 20 episodes before I started editing them. I mean, they all need to be edited. There's always uh, like an awkward silence or someone coughs or, um, and so I started editing my, them myself and I did about 
45 minutes of the first one and I said, I can't do this. <laughs> like, I'm not even good at doing this yeah. and this isn't the best use of my time. And so I've ended up having to hire a bunch of freelancers to help me with um, get the editing done. I've hired someone to actually help me to listen to the whole podcast and put together a, a blog post kind of summarizing the whole conversation, everything that was discussed um, with links and everything. And it's been a whole process. And so I've been working with a lot of freelancers and, um, you know, getting people to help me. But it's it's been a great lesson. And um, I can't do everything myself. And even though I'm kind of a micromanaging control freak, like I, I got to let it go and, you know, ask for help. And um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I think putting together this podcast has a it's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot mm -hmm. of work in prepping. It's a lot of work uh, in, in post-production and, and getting it all produced and, and out there on the internet, uh, show notes, all the things that go along with it. Um, I have a great pro producer, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. You're going to be <laughs> listening to this. I, Shout I, out. I appreciate everything you do for Entree Architect. Uh, and she, you know, I, I record these and I, and I record the other intro and outros and I mm -hmm. send them to Sarah and she makes them sound the way they sound. And so, um, it's, it's great to have, help. Uh, and it is, you know, I agree with you. It's very difficult to delegate. Uh, mm -hmm. it's just sort of not part of my nature and it's something that, that I agree. And I, I never really thought about it until you just said it, that, that delegating the podcast was sort of the first step for me, uh, to start delegating other things as well. And so, uh, I agree. Yeah. It even gets back to architects. If we look at these great architects and all these beautiful buildings they've done, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright himself personally didn't draw every single line and do every single detail. Um, you know, I'm sure he reviewed it, but we need a team of people to help us get these yeah. things done. And yeah. the most successful yeah. people in life are, 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 it's really a team that's made them successful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what else is going on over at uh, young architect? So I got the, I've been writing a lot, a whole lot, and I've been pushing on the podcast pretty hard. Um, the podcast has actually been fueling a lot of the writing I've been doing lately, just getting inspired from all these conversations. But I've been uh, also actively working on the ARE boot camp program. Um, I act, we, we touched upon it on our last show. Yeah, we show, talked about it a little bit. Get, talk, re, remind people what the ARE boot camp is, uh, and, and, and it's evolved a little bit. So talk about how it's changed. Yeah, actually, let me give you a quick history of yeah. what it is, where it came from. Um, you know, I, I passed my exams. I started Young Architect. Uh, I started getting a lot of um, really positive feedback on the blog post I wrote about the the ARE. And I ended up writing a book, um, kind of taking that energy. I ended up writing a book called How to Pass the Architect Registration Exam, which is a little black book about, you know, how to use all this study material and get in the right mindset to get this thing done. Um, it's not a, it's not a resource guide. It's more of a, um, it's kind of a, a handbook for how to use all this study material and information and get, and get it done. Um, and so from that book, I had people reaching, I started to have people reaching out to me saying, Mike, you got a lot of info and a lot of insight. Uh, I would like to hire you to coach me as I get started for the architect exam. And, you know, one of the big points I make in my book is the problem with the architect exam is that you know, up to this point in your architect education, there's been a community of people all working on the same exact goal. And now you're on a self-guided studying process. And there are many, many people that are all working on the same goal as you of, of studying for these exams, but no one's talking to each other. There's in, We live in this world of communication where everyone's hyper communicating, but, you know, everyone's very lonely doing this by themselves. Um, and so rather than coaching people one-on-one, -on -one, which I was never really interested in, I came up with this idea back in 2015 that what if I brought a group of people together and we treated it like a design studio and rather than everyone, um, you know, working, uh, rather than designing a project, everyone's studying for the exams, um, sharing insights, feeding off the energy of each other and kind of got like, let's do it as a group. And so I did the first ARE bootcamp back in September of 2015. And I brought, I was doing groups of five people back then. Now I do groups of six, but I brought, brought a small group of people together. And right away I, I knew like this works. This is a formula like this. Everyone's so familiar with how the design studio works. So like treating the exams this way, uh, was just seemed to make a lot of sense. Um, and so really what the ARE bootcamp is, it's kind of an extension of what my book is. 
it's not a, a class. I always need to emphasize it's not a class or a course. It's a program. Um, if it was a class or a course, I would um, teach the stuff to you for 12 hours a week and you sit and passively listen and take notes. Um, as a program, you study for, on your own, uh, I would say, 8 to 15 hours a week. And my role is to guide or help you teach it to yourself. Um, having said that, I've done the program so many times. I know what the, the questions are and where people get stuck. And I do quite a bit of teaching myself. And, you know, like, let's talk. Let's dive into A201 and general conditions and bidding. And um, I have, I've learned a lot doing this program. And so I, I do do a little bit of teaching. But it's really to guide people to get them started with making progress on the architecture registration exam. Um, it's not – it's really for the people just beginning. Um, I've had people reach out to me who are very far along wanting to do the program. And I say, you know, like, I'm worried you're not um, – you know a lot of this stuff. Um, but in my experience and my personal experience, I spent a lot of time kind of figuring out what the next step is. How do I use all this information? There's a, there's, there's too much information available, but knowing how to use it effectively, um, is really, uh, a big part of the program. So do you have multiple groups going on at one time or do you do one group at a time? Well, I do. One of the lessons I learned, it was easier. I used to do like I'll do one call on a Sunday night and another call on a Wednesday night. Uh, I don't do that anymore. I It's easier for me to sit. And so now I do two, three groups back to back. I sit and talk about the architect exam for three and a half hours on Sunday and Monday nights. Um, and so I overlap. So I have like I do. There's each group has six people in it. Um, then there's like the January boot camp, which has three groups, and that's on Sunday nights. And then I have the February boot camp, which is on three more groups on a Monday nights, and they overlap about mm -hmm. halfway through. So when one's halfway through, another one's beginning, and um, that's kind of how I do it. I, I stack it. Um, but at this point, I've had I've run seventeen different groups, and I've worked with over with about one hundred and one people. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Do you have uh, do you have any feedback on how many uh, have passed the exam because of the boot camp? Yeah, and I always need to say that you know the ARE boot camp is not a guarantee you're going to pass yeah, the test. Yeah, right. Um, the success rate of the ARE boot camp is the same as what it is for the test, or whether you take it or not. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, um, in my experience, my personal experience, I showed up to take the SPD test. And there was nothing left for me to read. I was so well prepared. I went, I went above, way above and beyond. I was, I was nervous about that test anyways, but I went way above and beyond on what I needed to do to be prepared for it. And um, I had memorized all my questions. I knew the stuff inside and out. There wasn't any reason for me um, to not do well. And, but when I showed up to take the test, um, everything I studied wasn't there. It was, I got some crazy <laughs> version. There's four or five versions uh, of that of each exam, and so and the questions are constantly moving. There's a lot of moving parts, and so um, you know I failed that test even though I shouldn't have. I knew the stuff inside and out. Um, I had I ended up coming back six months later, and I didn't really do much more work. I wasn't I was actually less prepared the second time I took that test than I was the first time, um, and so I ended up. The second time the cake was the test was so easy it was a walk in the park I thought like am I missing something this is like these questions I know this stuff inside and out um, and so it's always a moving target um, I hate to say it there's been you know three or four people that have taken my program who've gone above and beyond what they need to do um, and showed up on test day and you know they just didn't pass yeah but um, you know it's the intention of this program is we do everything that we can um, to be as best prepared for the hardest version of the test. And so I always say the success rate of the of the test is the same as the exam. But having said that, the success rate of um, the people that take this program and get to the finish line. And that's kind of how I see it. Like yeah. in some ways, that's more important to me. I want to see you finish all of these tests. And we're, I'm going to hold your hand for 10 weeks. We're going to go through this process. I'm going to teach you everything I know about preparing for these tests. And ideally, I want to see you get to the, to, the, to the very end. You might fail a test or two along the way. It's part of the process. Everyone fails. There's nothing wrong with failing a test. But um, I really want to see people get to the end. And so I'm starting to see the first batch of people that have taken my program come back and say, I'm, I'm done. I've made it. I'm a licensed architect now. And that's been really rewarding. Yeah, I would say that's probably the, the, the best thing about it because 
when I took the exam, it was just at the very beginning of the new format with computers. Before that, everybody showed up at the same day, at the same time, in the big giant coliseums, and they took the exam all together in one shot one day, every year. Mm-hmm. And so when, when they did that, um, you know, it, it, it may have been, you know, if you, look at, if you look at it, it may have been easier because you only had one day to do it. So if you decided that you wanted to take the exams, you studied that year and mm-hmm. you prepared for it because you knew that that day was my only day until, or I'm going to have to wait another year. As soon as they switched over to being able to take the exam anytime, uh, that's when it got hard to take the exam because your life gets in the way. You know, now mm-hmm. if you could take it anytime you want, then, you know, when do you take it? And that actually, I fell into that, that problem and it took me, you know, a bunch of years before I said, okay, I'm going to become a licensed architect and take the exam. Um, what I love about the boot camp is that, okay, you can focus on saying, okay, I'm going to take the exam. I'm going to commit to a program like this boot camp and get it done, you know? And mm-hmm. so you, you, it sort of helps you focus and guide uh, uh, the target of becoming a licensed architect. So, so Mike, what's, if, if somebody wanted to join this boot camp, what, what's, what's included in it? What do you get with it? So it's a 10 week program and, um, I have a, a calendar, you know, kind of outlining the whole thing. Uh, we meet weekly on a dedicated meeting. And so, you know, me and six people get on a, on a video chat. I use go to meeting and, um, we, we kind of check in, how'd the week go? I asked, I kind of asked the same questions every week. How'd the week go? What'd you study? What were the challenges? Any questions on the content? And we talk about that. And, um, you know, someone might show up and say, you know, I was reading about bidding and something didn't make sense. And I was reading this thing in this page and, you know, we talk about it or someone else in the group chimes in and said, Hey, I had that same exact question and I solved it because then I read this chapter. And in some ways we kind of had like this group dialogue checking in with each person, making sure like no one's stuck or gets left behind. Um, and so the meetings are kind of the, the, the core of what this program is, but there's a lot more, there's a lot more pieces to it. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, I have a syllabus and you know, both you and I, Mark know pretty damn well that nothing happens in the architecture world without a deadline. And that's the biggest challenge with these exams is there's no, you got a, you got a five year deadline and, um, it's, that's a great reason to put it off forever. And so in this boot camp, I have a syllabus that pretty much tells everyone what they need to be, uh, reading each week. And that syllabus kind of gets us through the first half of the program. We do a big survey, kind of this broad survey of what's on the test. What are all the study materials available? And um, we practice showing up and the consistency of finding the time to do this, because I think that's a big part of the challenge, too, is, you know, everyone's working 40 hours a week. How are you going to add eight to 15 hours of extra work of sitting and reading and studying and doing this um, into your already busy life? And, you know, people have kids and commitments and other things going on. Um, So, you know, getting that ironed out in the first half of the program is really the number one goal. And so we, while we're kind of figuring out how you're going to add this into your busy life, we're doing a broad survey of what's on the test. Um, the second half of the program, then we really drill down. We, we, we choose a test date about halfway through, and then we spend the, re- the remaining five weeks, um, you know, mastering all the information. Um, I have a bunch of resources. I got a Dropbox that we share. I got a website with stuff all over the web. There's no illegal file sharing um, in my Dropbox and everyone's got to purchase their own study material. But there's still a lot of really good YouTube videos and PDFs and the AIA's created tremendous resources for, um, you know, for studying for the exam. And so we use all those. Um, I say the Microseeker resource. I'm a resource for the bootcamp. I would rather, there's so much interactivity going on. I would rather for someone call me on the phone and ask me a question and let's chat it out for five or 10 minutes than people go on a goose chase looking for an answer and spend two hours, um, you know, and really kind of like using me as a resource to get you up to speed, to answer your questions, to keep you moving along um, is a big part of the program. We also track our time, the simil- similarly to how people track their time in the office, how much energy, we, we measure that to see how much you know people are working on it each week. I say we study every day. Um, I give people a to-do list of stuff. You know, It's not just reading. Um, there's 
stuff that's got to get printed. There's blog posts, there's videos, anything that's not reading. I give you a million things that you could be working on. And so say you have a really busy day at the office or there's something going on at night. You know you don't have time to study. Um, go to my list. There's a million things on there that you could do in 15, 20 minutes. But we try to consistently study every single day to kind of help build momentum over the course of 10 weeks. Um, I've created a lot of videos I, and I create the videos as a way to maximize our meeting times together. Um, it's really like to have less of me talking and more of everyone else in the program. If I got something to sh teach or share, I just record a video and let people watch it on their own time rather than on our meeting time. Um, I got a private Facebook group that we chat in. I got, uh, that has practice questions being dripped out. Um, I use a, like a social media software that spits out a practice question that I wrote every day. And then, um, I have an assistant that comes in and gives, uh, the official answers on, uh, twice a week. And so people reply as they're using Facebook, they're answering practice questions. Um, I push practice questions really hard, Mark, because I feel like people can understand this information really well, but unless you've practiced giving it back, uh, and giving back the answers, um, you know, that's where a lot of people get tripped up and even especially, uh, you know, not to pick on anyone, but a group of people that always get, uh, tripped up with practice questions are people that speak English as a second language. Um, I think sometimes get confused or, uh, kind of, yeah, they get confused within the, the, the way the questions are worded sometimes. Right. And so I just push practice questions really hard. We write our own practice questions from the stuff that we study and we share them with the other people in the boot camp, and then they study them. Um, and then one of the things I've added recently to the boot camp, like, um, you know, the boot camp's also been, I've, I, I'm constantly trying new things and getting rid of what doesn't work and keeping what does. And one of the things I started doing recently is creating these meetups of people studying together. And so the way the meetup goes is I teach everyone how to, how to run these, but everyone in the program's in charge of running two meetups. And, um, Basically, you email everyone in the program and say, I'm get meeting up at this time. If you're around, join me. And so um, if people are studying anyways during that time, why not jump on a video chat phone call and work on some practice questions or discuss what, you're, you're, um, what you've been studying this week? And so it's really kind of a way to kind of get people studying together and talking to each other and kind of working with each other as a group. And, um, and that's just been profoundly uh, powerful. And so the meetup thing's really taken off. And um, there's so, and at this point, the more boot camps I'm running, like I think there were like four or five meetups this week. And they don't always work. With, we're across all time zones. The boot camp's pretty global. Uh, I even have people overseas sometimes. But um, the, not all meetups are going to work with your schedule, but um, some of them do. And so I always say, if you can make them, great to, to kind of work together with other people. Yeah. It, you weren't kidding when you when you said that the boot camp has evolved. It certainly has grown. It, it's, it sounds like a uh, you know, very complete uh, program. Uh, is, there, is there a specific place that they should go? Should they just go to youngarchitect.com or is there a specific place they should go to learn more? Um. If you go to youngarchitect.com, it's all over. It's hard to get far in that website without <laughs> yeah. seeing something about the boot camp. But um, yeah, that'll that'll take you all to right. it, youngarchitect.com. Well, the, the, um, it, it, it's great to, to hear the update of everything you're doing. I think uh, Young Architect and, and the uh, the blogs are, are going well. I've, I've seen your writing all over the internet outside of mm -hmm. Young Architect. Uh, it's been on Architizer and ArcDaily and other places. Um, the podcast is great. And, and the boot camp sounds like it's booming. So it's it's great to hear uh, the success that you're having, the success that you're helping with other people, uh, you sharing your knowledge. Uh, it's really inspiring to to hear your journey, to watch you grow. Uh, and I appreciate you for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks for acknowledging all the journey I've been on because honestly, going through it, I feel like a lot of these things with just starting Young Architect, the podcast, the boot camp, like a lot of the stuff I've... I've been working on. It's always felt really shaky and clunky at the beginning, but, um, you know, just kind of staying true to what I believe and keep pushing through. And I feel like I've been in some ways more fine tuning, um, and getting better at what I'm already doing than, than trying to really add more to it. So, yeah, just, uh, small victories, just keep progressing yeah. and, and, uh, it gets better and better and better. 
Okay, the Young Architect website is uh, youngarchitect.com, and uh, you can you're all over the, the the internet on social media as Young Architects PDX. So that's A R C H I T X PDX, as in Portland. So it's Young Architects PDX, or you could just search Microsika Young Architect in any of those places. You'll find it: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and Mike, before I let you go. And I'm going to spring mm-hmm. this on you. This is I didn't, yeah. I didn't let you prep for this, but, no but what uh, what is one thing that small firm architects can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Hmm. Right off the top of my head, I'd say acknowledging it's not about you and helping others. Um, in some ways, rather than um, looking at everyone as competition or wondering what you're going to get out of it, really trying to just be of service of, of, to you, to, to the profession, to your clients, to everyone that you, to the people that work for you, to young architects, um, just being of service and not always looking at it from the point of view, like, what am I going to get from this interaction or helping this person, but really just kind of trying to lift up the profession as a whole. Um, I think when we do that, it really, um, and people acknowledge and can connect with that, it really has profound impacts. And I've kind of been um, uh, able to see that firsthand with, from the work that I've been doing. So. Yeah, you're a perfect example of that. Yeah. So, so Mike, thanks for taking the time to hang out with me today. I appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge. I love this conversation uh, from, from the very beginning of talking about mm-hmm. architects and and what we're what we should be called and how we should be presented and young architects versus the profession. I love I love that that conversation. It was a it was really exciting to to have that. And so I really appreciate you coming here and, and sharing your knowledge with the Andre yeah. Architect podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mark. And I also want to thank you, Mark. You know, you've been a really big inspiration to me. And I, you know, I found you when I was studying for my exams, and I said, you know, this guy's on a mission to help architects create better businesses, and it's really beautiful. And um, so. Keep doing what you're doing. I think you're you're doing an amazing job as well. Thank you, Michael. I really I, I appreciate that sincerely, at, uh, yeah. and that's why I do it. You know, I do it yeah. because, uh, you know, it's it's making a difference, and uh, and I see you doing the same th- same thing. So, keep yeah. keep it rolling, and I appreciate it. I'll see you on the internet. Yeah, have a good one. If you liked what we shared here today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 162. Share that link. Share it up. Share that link with somebody who you think might benefit from the conversation that Mike and I had today. Uh, spread the word. I appreciate it. And don't forget, don't forget to visit the website at entrearchitect.com slash free course to download your free course. Have unlimited access to profit for small firm architects at entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening and have an awesome week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, 
that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh I'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome and I think it's it's so real to this day I I, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me I'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.